I just want to take some time to thank my sponsor, Anchor. Um, if you haven't heard of them, um, they are the easiest way to make a podcast. And let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and basically any other platform. Um, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum li listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Um, it's what I use. So if you haven't yet, go and download the Anchor app on your phone or just go to anchor.fm. Hey guys, this is Adam and Marissa here. Just coming to you to talk about a way you could probably help the show out with just seriously clicking a link. Right, How babe? easy is that? I know. It's called affiliates. And basically, we have a bunch of companies that are affiliates with the show. And all you got to do is click the link. And some of these affiliates are pretty cool. Like NERCS. NERCS is the leading online provider for personal health care needs. Get birth control, prescription acne treatment, at-home STI testing, and more delivered to your door. It's affordable with or without insurance and meds ship with fast free delivery. And the reason why Marissa likes NERCS and made me get with them is because they deal with migraine medication. Yeah, you already know that I suffer from migraines and they're so helpful. Yeah, so check out NERCS. They're super rad. We also want to talk about Bill Shark. Bill Shark is a bill reduction platform. They're the negotiators. They're the lawyers. They're the tough people that go in and negotiate your bills for you. And they work on behalf of customers to save them time and money. And Bill Shark is so cool because they're backed by Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban, well, we all know who he is, right? Of course we do. Who doesn't need a Bill Shark? Right? Get someone to cut your bills with their shiny, sharp teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Let's also talk about Purple Garden. Ooh, Purple Garden. I know the name does not even do it justice, but Purple Garden is a new psychic reading app and it's fo focused exclusively on live psychic readings. I mean, how cool is that? That sounds fun. Literally, all you got to do is click a link. Um, I also want to talk about Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, everybody knows who this is. We use Vivid Seats. You can go check out any live events, sports, concerts, whatever, theater events. They have tickets, and the tickets are, are at the best prices. Which makes it super easy and affordable. Absolutely. And because you guys are the greatest fans of all time, and Marissa and I absolutely love you guys, we know that you're going to support the show no matter what. So do us a favor. It's called Affiliate Marketing once again. And you can find all these wonderful companies and their links in the show notes. Or the easier way to do it is just go to highlyirritable.org because that also has some content on it. You can check that out. Yeah, we greatly appreciate you guys. And don't forget, click that link. Love y'all. Welcome to Highly Irritable. This is my daddy's show.
Welcome back to another beautiful episode of the podcast, Highly Irritable. I'm your host, Adam Lee, followed by my tremendous host and the most talented person in the show. <laughs> You're too kind. Tell everybody what your name is so in case they forgot. Oh, how can you guys forget? I'm Marissa Jane. <laughs> the shopping guru. Yeah. <laughs> the person who goes to Target way too much. Yeah, the, the Target uh, the target guru, the whole nine yards, you name it, the mom guru, everything. Um, today is kind of a different show for highly irritable, right? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one. It is. And I know that a lot of our fans are parents. So this show is definitely one you're going to want to tune into for the first 30 minutes. Um, we have a special guest today. Um, she is a doctor. She is a nurse. She studied in the art of children. And her nickname is the fairy godmother of babies. And, you know, we kind of met each other on Clubhouse and then we messaged each other on Instagram. And I thought this will be such an interesting show for the fans from a perspective of let's talk to the professionals. Because, you know what, we always get, you know, the frustrating part of it as a parent when the doctor says things to you that you clearly don't understand and it's super irritating sometimes i know marissa can't stand covid doctor visits anymore because i can't be there so one of us has to go the other parents never filled in it's the most irritating thing in the world when your spouse has to come back give you a picture on audio of what happened at your doctor's appointment if your child is sick if your child's frustrated, if there's things going on, if they, you know, badgered you about vaccinations, if they did all these things, you have no idea. And the worst people ever is Kaiser when it comes to the structure of it all. There is no bending of the rules. It's not a private practice. This isn't a this isn't like, you know, a PPO where you can choose to go. We have an HMO. They tell us what to do. We have to listen to them. It's communism at its finest. You cannot make any decisions on your own. So when Marissa goes to the doctor, it's more frustrating than anything we've ever dealt with. So when Marianne reached out to me, I figured this is going to be a great show. Like, I mean, we're getting the inside on what it's like. We have someone that deals specifically in pediatrics in She's, you know, she's kind of known like as the child whisperer. I mean, that's what I've read up on. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the, all the weird, highly irritable fans out there and <clears throat> everybody who has children listen to the show, Marianne Tranter. How are you? I'm great. Thank Did you I say so your last name? You said it perfectly. Exactly oh, good. Right. I didn't mess it up. Yeah, and let me just clarify one thing. This is definitely for the fans, but more so for me. Like, I, I need the help here. Like, I need the help. And also, the doctor's appointments are frustrating for Adam because my memory. You guys remember from the last episode with Devin. I have no memory. Like, I might as well have short-term memory loss. So I can't relay the information to him. He's like, how'd the doctor's appointment go? I don't know. <laughs> you had to have been there. <laughs> Well, and the other th the other side of it for for dads, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I can, because some of it is 
to the point where I am fuming and there is steam coming out of my ear. But they treat me like I'm a deadbeat father the minute I walk into the <clears throat> to the appointment center and they ask her questions like, do you want him in the room? Yes. As if she has the choice. Well, to, to say whether or not I go in the room. To Kaiser, yes. Do you remember when I first got pregnant with Cash? And I was just telling your mom this yesterday. This is very funny. We're talking about it now. That when I was pregnant, you had made a joke to the nurse because she, you had said, am I allowed back here? And she looked at me and said, uh, that's completely up to her. Yeah. <laughs> and you said, well, I'm the father. And she said, well, that doesn't matter. I know. Right. And it got very serious when it was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> and he has never recovered from it. He's been upset ever since. Well, there, it, there's one, you know, there's you can be a, a, a you can have the name dad. But the name dad doesn't mean you're a dad. And I'm a very involved father. <laughs> so when a, someone says something like that to me is if, you know, I'm paying child support right now and followed by the penal system. I'm not happy about that. You know, that's a label. It's a, it's misogynistic if you ask me and it's, and it's kind of crazy, but dads get the shit end of the stick. They do. Definitely. I want to say that they are so underrepresented in, in media They're I mean, in definitely when you go to different offices, schools, I know that there's an issue with some teachers depending on whether they talk to the mom or the father. So you're right on the money for that. That is an, a big problem. And I also have a group of gay fathers that I work with. Mm. And they, they're just like, they can't even, they, they have so many problems just finding care because there's not a female presence walking yeah. up making the appointments. So and I noticed that for all dads. Well, yeah, on your website, I was so happy to see that because I was like, you know, I can only imagine the struggle for gay men and what they probably go through and the amount of shit people probably give them because they're saying they're number one with the Christianization and, you know, religion part of this country and the entire world, they're looked at totally differently. And number two, it's even worse when you get two loving fathers that just want a kid and they're looked down on because they want to have a kid like and that I'm happy that you actually work with those people. What have what is some of the experiences you've had working with with that community? Well, I have um, fortunately had some opportunities to work because I work online to work with some dads in different countries. So a while um, there is different types of stigma across the U.S., depending what city you're in or what state you're in. Um, definitely in some countries, it's, it can be a life and death situation. There are some countries in Africa that they might be a little bit more protected, but they only stay like in South Africa. So there's, depending where they are in the world, the stigma travel is a big issue for uh, dads um, that are trying to like visit different places. And that it's gotten, like I said, a little bit better for getting hotel rooms, their families, uh, but still in healthcare pieces, um, like you started with, I mean, even if, if a dad shows up into a clinic or the hospital system, whether urgent care or ER, they are often, oh, he probably doesn't know what the baby eats or how much, or they don't know, like, you know, if the kid, you know, how, what their temperature might be or not. There's this assumption 
that they're not involved. There's an assumption that they don't know what's going on or that they care. Um, so I think that um, that piece of it is across the board, whether, you know, you're a gay father or not. Mm-hmm. But yes, with my gay dads, there's additional stigma of finding providers that are open. Um, you know, with if there's two women moms or two female moms or two moms, I guess, yeah. uh, they, um, you know, they might go in separately and maybe the, the practice or the hospital school or whatever doesn't necessarily know in their face. But when it's a father, the, one of the first questions is, is, where's mom? Because she has all the answers. Whereas like yourself being a very involved dad, you might not, uh, you might have some of the answers and that, that, you know, Marissa may not know because depending on the week, whether you were there spending more time with them or not. So um, it is a unfortunate thing, which I really try hard to promote photos and different things that make it more normalized that dads are caring for their kids just like we are as moms. Yeah. And and even with, the culture today where, you know, a lot of it is awareness of, of women, awareness of what you say to them, how you treat them, um, how you talk to them. But, you know, I'm like sitting here saying to myself as a father, a woman just talked to me like that, but doesn't want me to be misogynistic or a pig to her. So where's the respect line? Where do you draw it? And these are my kids. And this is a very delicate line we cross on a daily basis. You know, I just think it needs to be even. But so why don't we do this? Number one, let's go over who Marianne is. Tell the fans who you are, what you specialize in, and tell them where you just came from. Because I just learned this bit of interesting information this morning, which I'm, I'm so stoked to hear about. Thanks, Adam. So uh, my name is Dr. Mary Ann Tranter. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner. Um, I like to maybe, maybe I should change it from the fairy godmother to babies to a fairy godmother of babies because it does take a village and there are a lot of people that do great work. I specialize um, in colic and um, which is very irritable uh, for the whole family. And I practice in primary care uh, more than 20 years um, in uh, Ohio. But I uh, grew up in the military. My, I love living all over the world, and I wanted to do that again. So um, to do my PhD research, I went abroad and uh, into Nicaragua, and then I loved it. I stayed. So I've been in Nicaragua for a few years, coming back, working at the hospital or my clinic for a few weeks going back to write the dissertation and since covid i've been trapped in paradise so mm. um fortunately where i am in nicaragua it is a very poor country but they do have great internet um and that has been a, a great blessing so i'm able to do my research there and now i'm able to have my uh, business online um, where i serve parents and so Going to the show theme, every time I do my final thought, I tell every one of you guys, all the listeners, I always say, follow your dreams, do what makes you happy. Marianne had a practice, so she had a job that she made very good money doing. She went to school to do it. She left that job to do something she cares about. She went to go live in Nicaragua which is one of the poorest places you can possibly go live in to do her study. 
and she started her own website. She started another thing, which is, oh my God, this thing is like a lifesaver for parents that have babies and you're struggling. The baby concierge service is unbelievable. And I want you to explain what baby concierge service is to me and Marissa, because you explain it a lot better. (laughs) Thanks. So I believe, as you know, that when I was working in clinics and I was in the ER urgent care, there's not nearly enough time to listen. There's not time to listen to the parents who are the baby's experts, who are the children's experts. Um, There's this 10 to 15 minute period where we are like, all right, tell me, tell me what's going on. And then, oh yeah, just do this. No explanations. We don't have time. The way the system is set up, it's unfortunate. And I think that the research shows that parents are interrupted within the first 11 seconds of speaking. Wow. And it is because our system is set up like for a factory of like 10 minutes here, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, move them in and out. Um, And so I really didn't want that to be the experience I had with families because I was unsatisfied with that. Parents were definitely unsatisfied and babies and children weren't necessarily getting the information that needed so that you could raise them like you wanted. So the concierge service I started so I could partner with parents, give them that one-on-one time so that they are able to let me know everything that they need to. And I can hear them as the expert and say, all right, let's partner together and figure out how we can move your kid from A to B for whatever their, their, their needs are. Um, so I started doing that with one-on-one with parents, uh, sometimes working a few sessions with them a little bit more long-term. If, um, like colic, there's a number of diagnoses we got to get through that um, not all pediatricians go through because yes, generally they'll outgrow it in a year or six months, but why suffer in the meantime? Mm. And so I think that there is, um, so I wanted that time with them. So I do one-on-one with parents uh, virtually and be able to help and um, leave no stone unturned to what's going on with them. And then also find out what they need and want so I could work with them. And my next step is putting a group of parents together because I think that you guys, or I needed it too when I, my kids were young to be able to um, have that support uh, without the random anecdotal, uh, okay, I found this piece of um, grass in my yard and gave my baby and cured them. Um, so I have a research base that I'm like, all right, let's see what alternatives are out there in research. So I add that in as well. Yeah. And I mean- Just the name of it, concierge, think about that. When it comes to your child, we panic about everything. And everybody always tells you that has children now, they're not, they don't break. You're you're okay. There's certain things that you need to be scared about. I mean, Marissa knows if they get a 99 degree temperature, I'm like, take them to the ER. Yes. Him and the fevers. I swear. He's like, do they have a fever? Check their temperature. And I'm like, okay, it's like 99.6. Okay, we need to give them Tylenol. I'm like, that's not that's not a fever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is scary. We, we, I mean, it's our most precious thing, and right. And I think that that that's why with my business, with it, I educate it because I'm able to say, all right, this is when you need to worry, and why. I mean, parents need that why, and they need to understand that so that they don't freak out as much. No, granted, I was freaking out when my kids were sick, and I had this information. I'm like. 
all right, what tumor does my kid have now? I mean, I was like, right. so when it's your own kid also, which is why I think reaching out to people that you trust and can give you good guidance um, and finding that person. Some people have great pediatricians, great um, connections. That's important because we as parents are just illogical when it comes to our own children. It's, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. What what um what 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 kind of a question did you have for Marianne, Marissa? I know you're burning right now to ask. Oh, um, I wanted you to go over colic a little bit because I don't know if everybody um, understands exactly what colic is. I'm not sure if I 100% even understand what exactly colic is. Well, one of the um, really frustrating things about colic, and that's very irritable, I will say is that the, um, the diagnosis of colic, it is a diagnosis. People are like, it's not a diagnosis. We don't, the doctors don't even know what it is. They just say colic. Well, their parents are absolutely right because all colic is, is excessive crying. That's all it is. It's kind of like when we say your baby has a fever. Well, they, it's not, it's a symptom. It's not a reason or a diagnosis. They have the fever. So colic is the same. It is crying. It's not the reason they're crying. It's just crying excessively. Now in the past, um, they used to use a rule of threes. If they're crying more than three hours a day for more than three night, days a week, more than three weeks, then we call it colic. Uh, but there has been some changes to that diagnosis of just like, all right, they're just crying more than normal. And so you would say uh, that can go up to um, babies cry more up until they're six weeks old. They cry the most at that time. And then it goes down. And there's all different theories to that. Um, that's around the world, too, in different um, tribes. And, you know, there's the Maasai tribe. There's different tribes that we followed and research that show babies are still crying more. But also in other tribes, they just pass the baby around and people only have a crying baby with them for a few minutes. And then it's on to the next person where here we are struggling in our little are now our COVID homes and communities. Yeah. Even more pressure for parents. Um, with these crying babies. But colic, they do, babies might cry for up to an hour a day. Colic babies cry double that or more. Um, and so colic in itself is all it is, is crying. But there are uh, certain theories about uh, the immature gut, which is why most babies outgrow it, because um, after a while, they're able to break down those proteins and it's not as painful. Immature um, nervous system, there's colic that's tied with maternal migraines. And so moms that have migraines, babies have more colic. And so there's something with the nervous system. Wow. Uh, there's anthropologists uh, because humans are the only people that speak. Uh, the only animals, I should say, that speak. We are also, during that period of a few months, learning to regulate our voice and breathing system. And so there's a theory that they get caught in a crying, you know, you know, theme or whatever. And yeah. so they can't stop it. Um, so there's a number of theories of why it's happening. But I believe there are overlooked diagnoses that we can address in those first few months to six months as well. So the theory of the crying, basically what you're saying is they're like, they're enjoying hearing themselves and learning from it at the same time 
I don't know if it's enjoying because they certainly don't seem to be enjoying it. Right. <laughs> like, you know, but they it's kind of like there's a theory that they're stuck in it. Um, and they don't know how to, to do that regulation of the breathing, crying thing. Now, some of these theories, more people believe more than others. Nobody knows what causes colic exactly, what causes this excessive crying more than it happens in 20% of babies. Wow. So one in five babies will get colic. And so it's a lot. Um, but yes, most babies outgrow it in the sense of because we don't know exactly know why. Is it because... They had the enzymes now to break down the foods that were causing the pain. Is it because their nervous system has that fatty myelin on it and they're able to regulate a little bit better? Um, so there's a number of other things. But the breathing crying is maybe not enjoying, but they're wondering if they're trying to figure out how to regulate that. So to the yeah. parent that has that child, I mean – I wish you, I wish we had you when Nolan was born because right. Nolan, uh, cash was very easy. Um, you just picked him up and boom, he was good. He went back to sleep. You could lay him down. He slept for hours. He was, <laughs> it was like, we want another one. Right. <laughs> so at 10 months old. Right. Then God, number two like came. One. This is a piece of cake. We are awesome parents. Yeah. Right. We're great. <laughs> Everyone was a liar. This is bullshit. This like is this easy. is the easiest job in the world. And then number two came. And uh, and let's just say Nolan didn't want us to sleep. And no. he did not stop. It was like there was no calming this child down. And it was to the point where like even I was like, damn, like I can't even be a dad to this poor child. Like we don't know what's wrong. We've switched formulas. We did all kinds of things. So everything you're saying right now makes 100% uh, it's like a hundred percent more yeah. like uh, what's it reassurance because Marissa also has migraines. So yeah, that's probably where Nolan got it. Even though they didn't diagnose him as colic. Um, he definitely had it from what you're Super describing. Fancy. So what is your, uh, I guess, what are some of the mechanisms that you use, you know, to help the parents with babies that are having these moments that are, that are struggling, that are, you know, not getting the sleep they need and, basically going you know we and marissa used to laugh so and i'm, I'm gonna veer off for just a second after but, we cried jesus yeah <laughs> but when we had cash you know the the the, the things they ask you when you go for your first appointment is oh. like is like what are you talking about like do, do you, you want to shake your baby yeah do you feel like you want to shake your baby uncontrollably and i kind of looked at her like, like what what in the hell that? Who and who is going to answer this honestly? <laughs> like, who's going to admit? Like, yeah, take my baby because I want to shake him so bad that, that his head falls child, off. Second child, though, I almost said yes just so they take him and give me a <laughs> fucking break. Some parents do. It is. It is so frustrating. So maybe that's why you weren't diagnosed with colic. But yes, he was. Maybe he had bouts of being. There was something going on, irritability, and that. But I, uh, I do have parents that'll be like, yes. So there's a comedian, Nate Bargetsky, um, and I don't know if you've ever seen him on YouTube, but he has a shaking baby, uh, like, part that he does. Routine. Okay? Yeah. Routine, yes. And it is, he's like, when he talks about having his baby, 
And he's just like, we're in the hospital and all they talk about is not shaking this baby. We had to sign a form and it's a video. They're all about not shaking the baby. Like who's going to shake the baby? Of course not. Right. Yeah. So we get the baby home and we're sleep deprived and we don't know what's going on. And the baby's screaming and crying. And we're just like, there's something about, are we supposed to shake the baby? Shake a baby. I don't know. So I, but the, it is a, um, it, it, there is, and he delivers it much better than I do. It's just that you yeah. got to go to YouTube and watch him. But there is a, un, it, it, there, there is an uncontrollable feeling and hopelessness. And yeah. so for parents, what I do, <coughs> excuse me, is I go through, um, let's rule out the diagnoses that we make sure. Yes, most pediatricians do the main things, heart defects, what else is going on? Are they, and there's like, even you can have like a piece of string wrapped around a toe, toe that's causing the scream all the time. Yeah. So, you know, physically, your pediatrician probably covers the most biggest problems. But um, there are diagnoses that I believe are missed. Um, and some might say it's reflux, um, but there's things we can do that may help the situation. Like acid um, reflux? I, yes, like acid reflux that okay. not vomiting, but they have that pain. So they're feeling it. Some, they're feeling it and we can't diagnose it because we're pushing the legs up trying to make them fart or get gas out or do whatever. Right. We're cramming them in there and they're just perching right. because they feel this pain. But um, so, so we interesting one. There are some babies that have tongue tie. Um, yes. And in the past, um, midwives used to have a really long, thin pinky nail. And when babies are born, this is like, you know, the 1870s, they would, just, they would just cut that tongue tie right away. That's what they and did of cash. course, with, uh, yeah, and, but that they would suck in more air. If you don't have the, a good latch or a good sucking with a bottle, uh, whether you're doing bottle or breast, there is air coming in. They have all extra gas. And so there's that there's, and then there are food allergies that aren't um, like allergic reactions. They're in the sense of an they're not IgE mediated, which is when you have hives and all that. There are food allergies that happen a couple of days later that they're not able to break those proteins down. Mm. And that's why they say try different formulas, mm -hmm. but there are other things. And interestingly, Marissa, I think that with your with having a migraine, some foods trigger migraines. Oh, yes, they do. Some, and so it could be, I wonder about that. And I want to, you know, I would love to do more research about that for babies. Like maybe that's why they have, because maybe it's something in the food. Right. So and I never even thought of that. I had no idea yeah. that um, migraines could. Well, think, how could you, I mean, you're, you're, I know you're the professional, but I've always had the question in pertaining to this. And sometimes I thought about Nolan sometimes too, when he would be upset, like he was such, he was delivered so fast and his head was, you know, misshaped. And so for those first like three or four weeks that he was born, his head was forming. And I can't imagine the amount of headache they must feel like the, there's got to be pain going on in their in their head. Like you just had it squashed by two, you know, by the woman's body, you know, and I but I'm serious, though, like yeah. I, because I, I, you know, the baby obviously is going through something and you can't relate to it. You can't do anything about it. No, this this poor child shot out so fast. He was blue and he had burst his um, blood vessels in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, this that happens. Poor baby. Often. So he probably poor came out thing. with a migraine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, so I think that one thing I do with my family is, is I go through those diagnoses that in, in we help rule things out. Like I said, leave no stone unturned. 
let's make sure that it's nothingness, nothing happening. I do go through a section of how can you calm? What does can work even temporarily? You know, let's try a few things. But I really think the strongest thing that needs to happen in what I do is that support for parents. Uh, they just need to be heard. They need the reassurance. And I give them tools for how helping them calm down, feel in control, know that they're doing all that they can and be able to take some breaths so that they are um, have that little bit more of support. They need that support. Parents, you guys, we all need support as parents and babies that have colleagues that are crying so much need a little bit extra TLC. Um, there is maternal depression that's tied with colic that goes up with kids with colic. And yes, shaken baby syndrome does go up with kids with colic too. Yes. So um, I think that that's the most vital thing is um, support the parents while we are going through making sure what can we do and bring that baby's comfort in the meantime. So you focus a lot on the parents as well, not just the child too, right? Absolutely. That's, I mean, why I went into pediatrics, why I love pediatrics is it is a place where it's a little bit more holistic where we are taking care of a family versus, well, you know, now with COVID with only one parent in a room, yeah. you know, which right. I, um, I recommend, I recommend calling while the other parents in the room. I recommend always recording when you are in the room with it and just having that at the very least, by the way, That's a good uh, idea. So you have that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a place where we need to take care of the parents just as much as rule out those diagnoses for the babies. It's just as important. Yeah. I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Um, I was looking on your site and I saw that you deal with um, stress and anxiety also. So that kind of ties in to the parent aspect. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Now that we've like gone over what colic is and everything. I, yeah, I wanted to touch on like the stress and the anxiety part that you deal with. Sure. So um, I go through for parents and I, first of all, I always recommend if parents are like under that stress, I always recommend having somebody to talk to, right? So whether you do counseling, whether you have a supportive partner, whatever, you you need to reach out to friends. There's a lot of parents that um, will be like, well, I don't even know. She says she'll help me or he'll say, can I do something? Make a little list. Okay. So you have a list of like what somebody can do and know that it's a gift that when you, people want to help, they want to help and they really might not know how, unless they've had a baby before, then they're like, all right, I'm just bringing this meal over or I'm just like throwing this load in or I'm like, here, I'm over at the grocery or I'm here at the pharmacy. What do you need? I'm picking it up and bringing it to you. So if people don't know, have a little list of what they can do. If it is, um, so that's the number one thing is look for that support and ask for it. Uh, I know that sounds simple, but people don't do it enough. Um, make a plan to have somebody come over so you can get in the shower. I mean, so that you mm -hmm. can run errands. I mean, I find solace of like, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm just walking through every aisle really slowly while the kids aren't with me. Yes. I mean, having somebody that's like, let me just, you know, either run the errand for you or like, let me just hang out while you go do it. Um, and so I definitely, that number one is support for the families. With anxiety and stress, there are a number of different breathing exercises. And I know people like to take deep breaths 
and you should not tell your partner that. Like, just take a deep breath. That's just yeah. really. Yeah, don't do it's that. It's kind of like, calm down. That, you know, that doesn't <laughs> really work either. Um, but they do, when you take slow, deep breaths, there's a few, there's a few that I go through with parents, but you can find them online too. Um, four count breathing, where you take a deep breath in for the count of four, hold the count of four, relieve the count of four, hold the count of four. That's a very simple one, but there's a number of those. But when you do that, it forces your blood pressure to decrease. So it physiologically changes um, the anxiety in you. So if you can find that type of breathing exercise, or there's alternate nasal breathing where you breathe in one nostril, breathe out, there's a variety you can find. But I think that that also sounds simple but to really take the time and focus and get that done for yourself, um, real release anxiety and blood pressure. Um, another thing I tell parents is to have those that are a little bit more in our heads, like I am, um, write down five reasons you love being a parent and um, you know five wonderful things about your child. Mm. And I have that hanging up where, you know, you can see it and you can look at it and it's just like head to you. Um, yeah, you manifest that is, it. That also, yeah, definitely. And it's um, while some of these things are like might seem not, they're not like that part isn't really hard. There's certain things I do with, um, there's a thing called tapping that touches the acupressure points. That's a little bit more like to relieve anxiety in the moment. But the easy things about, um, calling a friend, reaching out. Um, if your baby's crying, getting in the shower and turning up your music and putting them in a safe place and taking that time, deep breathe to relieve your anxiety and blood pressure and um, have those heady reminders of a list are just some of the things that I give parents uh, because you're absolutely right. Having that stress and anxiety will build up your cortisol, build up that adrenaline and while you definitely aren't the cause of your baby crying or your child acting out, mm -hmm. um, it definitely can help a little bit get in that direction of helping everybody calm down. Right. So a pet is great. I, I got to bring that in. If you're like in the same room with your have a dog or a cat, they help regulate your blood pressure, your heart rate. And so if your child is anxious, if you have a pet, um, I don't know about birds. I don't know much about, but I think that, you know, definitely like those mammals, Yeah, having them close by helps step that you feel a little bit more regulated and them. So that's another tip I want to throw in. And I think um, you're like the vibe that you give off affects your child's too. Right. So yeah. Like well, they can feeling. sense it like bees, correct? Absolutely. Well, you know, and if, if for women that breastfeed, if you are all uptight and anxious, you, your milk won't let down. And so there oh. is a, like, you need to relax. You can, the milk can let down. You can feed your baby. Um, but yes, baby, you do. They do feel your anxious anxiety. Um, I'm careful about that because too many providers, pediatric providers are like, you got to calm down. That's why your baby's so hang anxious and have that right. crying. And so there's a blaming piece that happens for parents that is unfair. So I you're absolutely right. They feel our anxiety. They feel it's like this upward spiral. And so the goal is while they are high anxiety, trying to get us to be in a place of 
um, whether somebody you know, uses prayer, uses meditation, whatever you, you use to help yourself decrease your anxiety, that can help bring that child down, whether it's a baby or it's a toddler. Or, I mean, it's, it works on adults too. I use it with my kids are now 21 and 23. And when they're getting all anxious, <laughs> I remind myself, all right, let me stay calm, not get up in that caught up with that to help them help them get back down. Right. I think as a parent, that's been um, one of my my hardest struggles. We talk about it a lot on the show, like our, our anxiety and like depression and whatnot. But I've struggled with anxiety since I would say like elementary school. Um, after having kids, though, the level of anxiety is tremendous. Like it, it shot up way up. Um, so I think, uh, I, when you said like going to the store without the kids, I think that's extremely helpful. Like once a week I take them, I drop them off with my mom and that's my day. Like I will go to the store. I will run my errands. Like that's, that's Marissa's time to like pretend to not be a mom for the day. So. Or, or I rip her out of the house when yes. I can see her pop's going to top off or, yeah. or her top's going to pop, pop off. Yeah. I usually grab her and say, let's go for a drive. Right. But, you know, I I wanted to go back to something because I needed you to validate something for me. Um, When Marissa and I first had both with both children, the hospitals do a lot of shaming to parents and they do things to mothers that I think is horrendous. And number one is the way that they try to get them to breastfeed their children. And now that you brought up the anxiety thing, I think that's why I can never breastfeed. No, that's definitely why you couldn't breastfeed because you were anxious. Yeah, well, and I'm sure it was anxious due to a lot of things because they put so much pressure. They bring in a damn lactation consultant. They have a lactation consultant at the hospital and they make it seem that if you can't breastfeed, your child's going to wither up and die when they're 30. Yeah. And I just, you know. There is a lot of pressure. You're right. And I'm just curious, like, can you give some sort of, you know, like, can you tell them, like, the fans, like, yes, it's okay. Like, just go to formula. Don't starve your kid. Like, (laughs) we had to do the same thing. And it's like, you know, you're worried about rationing and you're worried about this and that and this and that. Just feed the damn baby. Like, don't worry about your boob not working. It's okay. It's okay. It is okay. And, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning that I work with some gay fathers as well. And I'm like, oh, what are you saying that the formula they're giving the babies isn't good enough? What, I mean, what, what is it? And you, no, it is. Um, formula is one of the most regulated and the healthiest. It has, it is one of the best, the best, like if you're going to like wonder, are things checked in here for my baby? Foods in our diets, really, or if we have, it. I mean, so it's safe. Um, and definitely I, you know, with all of these things for babies with colic or stressed moms or whatever, when I said I take care of the whole family, the, everybody, that's so important that you can't just be like, this has to be for the baby. You have to do this. The parent has to feel good. The parent has to feel confident, empowered, and do what's best for the family, not just what somebody thinks that the baby thinks that it's best for. They think it's for the baby. It's a balance of like, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's so many things that we can do to make, do ultimately you know, this is the most, the safest ever. Put our kids in bubbles. Everything in our world comes with risks and benefits. And we need to make sure that's why, you know, as parents, you're the experts. What, uh, how do you want support in doing the way, as long as it's not totally 
dangerous, you know, or crazy, you know, that you're, I mean, listen, you know, I told you I live in Nicaragua. I mean, they don't have car seats there. I mean, you know, they don't, they, I mean, they do have some, I should say in the big city, but I live in a coffee region and, you know, babies are like on motorcycles. People are holding their babies on their sides, on their motorcycles, you know, with no helmets. but they have to because they can so they can get places they can get to work uh, or in the back of pickup trucks everybody's packed in standing and so is it more dangerous yes but this there's things that need to happen so that the family can function the family can sleep you know there's a whole thing I don't want to let them cry it out I'm like well you don't have to if you don't want to uh, but there's just like this whole how do you sleep train do we not do we you right. know how do we do all that. But what do the parents need right. so that they can be the best parents so they can raise their kid healthy and happy? And that is the goal. And so you're right. It doesn't have to be breastfeeding, bottle feeding. Absolutely fine. Would, every child is different. Everything, Everything is different. different would, so. would you agree with this, Marianne? This is one of my biggest arguments. And I constantly have it with everybody. Is number one, I don't agree that you should listen to everything that the pediatricians tell you. I don't feel that they should be the ones that decide your child's future or your child's diet or your child's anything, because let's just get one thing straight. Before there were doctors and before there was medicine and before there was anything, what did parents do? They dealt with it. They dealt with it on a natural level. So it was signs, um, you know, senses, you know, we had our senses were up. And as a parent, your sense is up anyway. So you can tell if your child's suffering, if there's something going on, just like we know, Marissa and I know the difference between a, a I'm hurt cry and a I'm really hurt cry. <laughs> like I'm scared or really hurt. Yeah. You know, the differences for it's your kid. But I also feel the reason why, you know, I'm talking about it is because so often do I see parents lean and only listen to the doctors as if they're the only ones that are supposed, you know, that are giving us the way that our child should be. I, you know, like the food pyramid, you know, this is what we're going to eat. You know, the Europeans do this and the Americans do this. Why would you want a food pyramid? Isn't, I mean, just hearing you talk, every child's different. If there's allergies and whatever, you have to be a parent for your kid. You can't be a parent you can't be the doctor's parent for your kid, right? Absolutely. I think we get lost uh, looking towards experts. It's interesting you say it because there is, with the advent of the internet and information online, there is a move away from like the doctors are gods. We have to follow everything they say. So there is more of a movement away in the last 15 years, you know, or 20 years with, especially except with the internet, there's more information available and the parents do have more questions and want to understand and might want to try different things. But there's also very conflicting information between providers. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so nobody knows exactly what's perfect there are i mean science does have its place i'm a scientist i do know that science does have its place um but going back to what we talked about before about parents being their baby's experts parents unless you know parents like you know there are a few that don't have their best interest of their children in mind but that's rare parents want their kids to be uh to succeed be healthy be well adjusted um 
you know, there's a thing with uh, how much screen time, right? And this year, parents have felt so much guilt because there's these recommended time frames for screen time. And here we are in this pandemic for screens and like how, you know, under three shouldn't have this. And I, first of all, I think that we need to just balance um, mental health for families and like, you know, do what they need to do with screens. Secondly, these kids are our technology kids, they need to know how to do this stuff. They're going to be with screens their whole life. I mean, so people are like, I know she's using the phone again. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, and she will her whole life. It'll be adjusted. So I think that we have guidelines based on science and what might be better. And we can try to like, yeah, we, they need to be outside time. They need to be using their bodies and physically and not 24 seven on a screen. But we really need to get back to hearing the parents what they want and why and saying, why do you want to give your kid Mountain Dew and their baby bottle at six months? Let's talk about it first. I've never been asked say, that. Like <laughs> no I've never Mountain been Dew? asked why. And it's very interesting that you say that because, you know, our pediatrician just says like, okay, what do you feed your child? And I'm like, well, my child really likes cheese. So, it, you know, it's mac and cheese, grilled cheese, cheese sticks, you know, string cheese. Like, and she's like, <laughs> no, and it's never why, you know, it's never, <laughs> why well, does that, that work I mean, for you? I do. Well, and it is, I mean, I'm guilty of that in practice of not like there's that 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. it is, it, it were 15. I mean, we are, that's why I left that type of, I wanted to provide a different service. And um, it is, it, you know, it is more complicated than, than I, I wouldn't say I said, no, let's hope I didn't say no. Um, I, I think I would like to say that I've been like, let's try some variety for the next visit. I mean, right. maybe I would do it a different way, but still there's this time pressure that parents aren't heard and you, and, and we we weren't. I wasn't hurt. And we need to be able to say that I want to do it because I think it's going to give them some energy or whatever they say to Mountain Dew and the baby, but whatever. But then we can say, oh, this is another way to do it that might be a little bit better because of the corn syrup sugar or whatever. Um, yep. So. Right. Helpful, not judgmental. Like well, when no, I go to the pediatrician, I feel judged. It's giving back the power to the parent because the child currently has the power and they almost have enough power nowadays because of the way our system works in America or basically all over the world where anything and everything a child feels, they take it in perspective and use it against the parent. And then sometimes that's how they portray that parent to be a terrible parent because they didn't give what the child wanted. They tried to teach the child a lesson. And we used to teach our children lessons. And that's why we had so many entrepreneurs and so many smart people and so many amazing people growing up and in, in, in now that's why we have so many people doing things differently because we coddle them too much we don't teach them lessons we let them control how way how they're parented it's almost like you give them a menu and you're like okay mom and dad uh are gonna do this this and this or you can have this this and this okay dad you know what i think i'm gonna have it rare and this way like that's the way they want us to parent and you can't do that you you have to be a lesson for them i mean almost impossible but so this is information i think everybody needs and i am i can't tell you how appreciative number one that you came on our show because i need more people like you in in mine and marissa's life you're an amazing human being 
and more people should go to your website and more people should look up the stuff that you use and the methodology you use because it's, it's, it's amazing what you're doing right now. And I know you said you're going to Ohio to go see mom and dad, but you're also going back to Nicaragua, Nicaragua after to continue practicing, correct? Yeah. I mean, I do have clients that I work with while I'm here. My, um, talk about the healthcare system. Yeah. I'm going, my parents are getting are a little bit older and I'm, I'm like calling, like I just called my dad's doctor this morning. I'm like, all right, I'm coming up there. What's going on? Because really when any of our kids are ill or there's something on, there's another thing about parents being a parent or a daughter <laughs> on yeah. the other end <laughs> that it is, it's like, you know, that you're in that office and it's just, you're so stressed during that time. Um, and you don't hear it all. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm here in the States for this month, but I am going back, but still, the good thing is, guess what? The U.S. has internet too, yep. and I, <laughs> I'm able to continue. So it's uh, the part of technology I'm really appreciating is to be able to give this service to families. Thank well, you so I'm much definitely going to try to have you back on if you'll come back on our show. Because having a specialist like this is, pff, you, there is money, money and everything doesn't matter. Just having a human like this to talk to is, is what everybody needs. But I wanted yeah, I to would love to. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So go ahead and tell everybody where we can find all of this wonderful material and how we can book uh, the fairy godmother. Thank you. Well, I do. My website is colicnurse.com. Um, I do all I've, I've always done pediatrics 21 and under all like primary care stuff but I've had more success with those anxious parents. Um, I've had some success with those babies and fussy babies and helping them transition. So while I focus on colic, yes, I do all primary care stuff. Um, and um, yeah, my business is a healthy child concierge. Um, and on my website, I do have a download, the free download for parents about how to help calm your fussy baby. If you do so with some tips that include uh, some probiotics that the research has shown has helped babies that um, might have, be a little bit more fussy to help support them. There's some names on that list, as well as um, bouncing your baby on a big rubber ball, uh, exercise ball to help them. So there's some ideas uh, that parents may have not tried for their, whether their baby has colic or they're just fussy. And so you could reach me through my website and um, also on Facebook, um, Your Healthy Child Concierge. Instagram. So I do get people through that. So I am, you know, just, I do a free consult to see if it'd be a good time to work together. So, um, I, people call me or message me with some questions, some easy questions. And, um, yeah, I am open to, um, supporting families and moving in the right direction. Absolutely. So guys and girls and everybody, all my listeners, you guys go follow Marianne. She's on Instagram. Her handle is at MBTPNP. She is, go ahead. Did you change it? That, oh, well, that's my personal one. And you're welcome to follow that. And oh, things in Nicaragua. whoops. At your healthy child concierge is um, my business one. And they're both tied. There you it is. Got you. Either. Yeah. So it is at your healthy concierge child services. Um, and let me tell you something. She is definitely available. She's definitely there to, to take messages. You can get a hold of her. Um, and if you go to her website, the, the, the handles on the top 
scroll over the top of those because that's where I found some of the most interesting stuff about Marianne. Um, and she's very open and very uh, easy to communicate with. And uh, I just want to say thank you today for coming to the show. And hopefully, you know, you took something from us because we definitely took something from you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I was wondering how I'm going to make colic funny and I didn't have to worry too much on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys have great, you have great, great fun on your show. So yeah. um, thank you so much for having me. I definitely um, love hearing your guys' perspectives where you're coming from. Yeah. And I appreciate your struggles, like what parents go through. Yes. And glad you're out of that baby stage right now. And I'm sure you'll have challenges along the way. We all do. Like I said, I have my 23 and 21 year old struggles yeah. with my kids. Yeah, we, um, we definitely have the yeah. struggles right now. So, but, but, and joys. Yes. And it has wonderful, amazing um, experience, you know, experiences as well. It's, it's fun. It's fun being a parent. You're yeah. right. Thank you for making us feel like normal parents too and not you bad are. ones. <laughs> yeah, well. So you're excellent parents. You're, you care. <laughs> you have people on your show to be like, let's find out more information. You ask questions. I mean, that's being a great parent. It's, you know, it's, um, so yeah, you're the expert and you should um, embrace that and be empowered by that. Well, um, Again, I, I literally can't say thank you enough. I really can't. I, I have a lot of respect for you. I really do. Um, huge levels of respect because it takes a, a lot. Like, I mean, most of the time people don't get the shout outs they deserve. And I feel like, you know, I don't give them. I always feel like I undercut the shout out. You know what I mean? But in this case, like we always tell our fans, our show is going to be funny. It's going to be sad. And sometimes it's going to be angry. But it's all going to pull back together. We're never going to sit down on any niches but at Highly Irritable. That's not going to happen. We are so wide open to listening to anybody and everybody that's interesting. And folks, Marianne is one of the most interesting people. And please do me a favor and reach out to her and give her what she deserves. And Marianne, my friend, um, I definitely want to have you back on the show. And I just, from the from, from bottom of my heart, I, I'm so thankful that you came on today. Well, you guys are gracious hosts. Thank you. I appreciate spending right your time with you today. So we're going to cut to a small commercial and let Marianne go. And uh, we'll be right back, folks. What's up, all you crazy streamers? Yes, you streamer people. I know who you are. You don't have TV. You only stream what you actually watch. Well, I got something cool for you. It's called Paramount Plus. Yes, Paramount. The Paramount. The one that's, you know, CBS, the big people. <laughs> well, they came up with a pretty cool thing that you can stream all of their original movies and all of their original TV episodes. It's over 30,000 episodes in movies and originals. You can even stream live sports and news with limited commercial interruptions. The cool part about Paramount Plus 2 is they offer, they offer a commercial-free plan. And I don't know about you, but to not have to watch commercials would be so epic, even though I'm pitching a commercial to you right now. <laughs> but that's okay, because I'm a comedian and that's what I do. Anyways, check out the um, the notes for the show. The link is in our notes. It's the Paramount Plus link. Use it because it supports the show. If you could, please, if you're going to sign up. Or you can go to our website at um, highlyirritable.org. 
the website there uh, has the link connected to it as well. So check them out. It's Paramount Plus. They're very affordable. And like I said, you can watch 30,000 episodes in movies, original, live sports, and news with limited commercial interruptions. Or you can check out their commercial free plan that they have. So everybody check it out. It's in our show notes, Paramount Plus. What if it was possible to get local, fresh groceries delivered right to your front door? You could take up underwater basket weaving with all of that free time. Well, Instacart gives you unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. Way better than the other guys that nickel and dime you every time you use their app. Forget that one ingredient you needed to make your grandma's famous casserole? Instacart can deliver it to your front door in as little as one hour. You can shop multiple stores, see deals in your area to help you save money, and every item is hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. No more rock-hard avocados. And they'll keep your eggs safe, too. To start your 14-day free trial, follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart. Never step foot in a grocery store again. Welcome back from commercial. Marissa had to step away, so what I'm going to do is go into my final thoughts for all you lovely people out there. Marianne was awesome. And for my final thoughts, I want to talk about some things that I took away from her today. And that is pretty simple. It's that if you're a parent, believe in yourself. Believe that you are the right thing for your child. That's what you have to believe. Like anything in life, whenever we seek advice or we do anything for ourselves, we always take what we can and we apply it and use it the best of our the, to the best of our abilities. And, and I think that's the only way you can do it because there is no manual on how to fucking raise kids. There's not. There's no best parent award. There's a bunch of great ideas that parents have come up with. And that's it. They're ideas. They learned. They lived and they learned. If you're a parent and you're struggling with your child and you think that you're failing, you're not. Because here's the other side of it. Children are also human beings with their own ideas And their own ideologies. And if you think they don't have it at a young age, you're fooling yourself. My four-year-old, about to turn five, is already combative. He already does things that he doesn't want to listen to me about. Like, there's a ton of things. He thinks he has the best way to do it. And that's okay. And it's okay for him to have bad days. It's okay for them to go through emotions. You've got to go through everything that you do with them with a grain of salt and be prepared for variable change. Be ready because there's going to be there's going to be things that are going to happen that you're not going to know how to react to that. It's it's just life. And Marianne said it perfectly. You're a great parent. You're excellent parents. 
You're awesome because you're asking questions. You're seeking advice from people so that you can be better parents for your children. And that's the only way to do it. You know, I enjoyed the interview thoroughly because it made me feel like I'm actually a normal parent. And like Marissa said, you you made me feel like I'm okay, like I'm doing things to the best of my ability, you know? Like we have two young little boys that are running around with five, five million ounces of energy. I mean, they, they're just balls of energy and they do things on their own and they do things out of random. And sometimes they make you laugh. Sometimes they piss you off. And, and, and you know what? The only thing that you can do is enjoy every second of it because one day they're not going to be running around your bedroom. One day, they're not going to be in the backyard taking a shit in front of the neighbors. One day, they're not going to be clogging up your toilets and you're having to fix them. All that's going to go bye-bye because they're going to start living their own life. And then you become just the old parent that they come by and say, hi, and I love you. So if you have toddlers and babies and kids in high school and kids in middle school and stuff, enjoy every fucking second of it. Enjoy the doctor's visits. Enjoy it all. Because one day, yes, it is going to disappear. And they are going to start their own little lives with their own little families. And you're going to be outside watching them completely proud, missing it. Every single moment, seeing the ghost of your son or your daughter when she was two or he was two running around your bedroom, you're going to have those visions and dreams and it's going to happen. And I know it's going to happen. And am I, I, am I prepared for it? I think I am, but I don't, at the same time, I know I'm not. And I know that it's going to break my heart when those days come because I love my little babies with all my heart and they will always be little babies to me. But like Marianne said, you're an excellent parent. You're excellent parents. And you're doing the best you can. And that's all we can ask for. So don't get frustrated when you don't know what to do because there, like I said, there is not a manual for this shit. You <laughs> Everybody says they have the parenting hacks or whatever. You, you don't. You don't. Children can go in any direction at any fucking time. They're like tornadoes. They're like earthquakes. You can't fucking predict what they're going to do. You can't predict the outcome. They're going to swallow you up and spit you out. But if you can just be happy that they're there and enjoy every moment you have with them, then you were the best parent you you possibly could be. Because they are going to make their own choices. And they are going to learn from their own mistakes. They're just like everybody else that's a human. So I'm going to leave it at that. Those are my final thoughts. And just remember, if you see me walking down the street with my two toddlers and you get a moment to break me away from them, give me a hug and tell me it's going to be okay. And then... I want you to look deep into my eyes and I want you to tell me, hey, Adam, you're a great dad, but go fuck yourself. 